Hello and welcome to Real Men Feel. I am your host, author, coach, and healer, Andy Grant. Please visit theandygrant.com to learn more about me. Real Men Feel reminds men that they are human beings and have the right to experience and express all of their emotions. We have conversations that most men aren't having, but that all men can benefit from. You know, some common complaints I hear from men over the years are that they feel disposable, under attack, can't do anything right, and don't know what's expected of them. So maybe it's time to get a woman's perspective on what's going on between men and women. My guest today is Reverend Leslie Peters, RN. She's a curator of intuitive and transformational conversations, a trauma-informed and spiritual nurse leader, speaker, consultant, trainer, and retreat facilitator. She's worked with women for 30 years and told me guys can't win. Her mission is to teach the masses using the knowing of the heart, the knowledge of science, and the wisdom of experience. Welcome to Real Men Feel, Reverend Leslie. Well, hello. I love this. This is, I think this is going to be really good. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah, you know what, uh, Andy, it's such a pleasure to meet you. And um, yeah, I'm going to let you because I don't want to exert my masculine energy and take control of the conversation. <laughs> I asked a lot of questions. So if, if I, are you cool with if I say, well, what about yeah, you? It, again, this is okay. a conversation. So, yeah. and, and the okay. first time you, you reached out to me and yeah. said, you know, based on your entire career working with women, that I wouldn't want to be a man in a relationship. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. So can, can tell me what you mean by that. So what I, and, and, you know, you hit me on, here's women who are confident in who they are and who know who they are, I that's not the case. But when a, when a woman... Either, I guess, comes to a relationship with, you know, some issues that haven't been resolved. Same thing with a guy, right? But I don't know men that well. I know women. And that's unspeaking. You guys may do the same thing, though, I'm about to say. But women who aren't real confident in themselves, I think that's where guys run into real trouble. Because with any relationship, I mean, Two people, right? When you meet people, you each have needs, and a relationship starts. It's because something in you meets my need, and something in me meets the need of yours. And you know, I think as the relationship goes, if if we if we don't become what we need, like if the other from the other person, um, say I need to learn how to unconditionally love you and I relationship, if we're in a relationship for four or five years and I haven't learned how to unconditionally love. And what's attracting me to you is you could unconditionally love, right? If I haven't learned that, it's been my experience that it's that thing which drew me to you, which will pull us apart. Because if I still have that unmet need, what I originally was attracted to in you, the unconditional love, is now getting one of the crap out of me. Oh, are we allowed to first? Sure. It's encouraging. Like Minor. Okay. Um, does that make sense? So, like a woman who knows and can meet her own needs, emotional needs, will be a lot. The men have a shot, right? And vice versa. I'm not saying it's just a woman thing. Same thing. If a man comes and you know, if a man comes to a relationship knowing how to meet his own emotional needs then oh, the woman will be fine. If he doesn't, then she's going to experience the same thing he does. 
and and you had made a good point earlier. I want to kind of back up and we're we're speaking in generalities, but yeah, we as we say, women and men do this. We aren't speaking for all. We're saying right. the ones that are having the difficulties in life and perhaps the uh, the unawakened masses, or you know, I don't so, know. But but just realize if if does it resonate with you, you're not one of yeah. the people having the issue. That, that yeah, helps. yeah, it's not. I'm just talking in general because we can't yeah. talk specifics. So, yeah. But what sparked me to reach out to you was I've never had a problem with women who were. I, and I dealt with women in trauma, so they were pretty open and pretty authentic. They may not have been able to meet their own needs, but they were they knew they couldn't meet their own needs, right? Emotional needs. Mm. And I've been I've had no problems with women who are very successful and who know who they are and they're full cool standing in the truth of who they are. Where I went into a lot of problem in the last five or six years was women who pretend to know who they are, but down deep, they don't. And in that case, anything I think along the masculine line for anyone who's really confident and can stand in their truth is a threat. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And this, and and, this, this is true for men and women that any any yeah. time that I'm, if, if I don't love myself enough and I want you yeah. to give me all the love to fill up my emptiness, problems. Yeah. Yeah, as I can say, like, the crazy thing is, because I used to hear women say, you know, like, oh, well, he doesn't do this for me, he must not love me, or talking about, like, abandonment, betrayal, lack of trust, and the reality is, if you're coming to a relationship looking for that in a person, you're going to attract someone who can't do it for themselves, so it really has nothing to do with how much he loves you, it's, if somebody can't give that to themselves, there's no way in hell they're going to be able to give it to you, right. and that goes men or women. Yeah. So is is that the root issue and challenges between men and women trying to trying to use another person to fill our unmet needs? Yeah, I think as much as we go back to Freud, I really do think it's the daddy mommy issue. I think if if women I mean men are if you look at it in my opinion, they are a woman's first, hopefully, non sexual intimate relationship with a man. So the pressure is on guys, right? Because you are setting an example for that girl, what her relationships are going to look like the rest of her life, the interaction you have with her. And conversely with women, you know what I mean? Um, I realized one time, and I, I'm saying all this, like I didn't do great in my relationships just because I was married for 25 years because the guy I married was just like my dad. It took me 25 years to realize how I went like, oh, damn, I married my father. Like, what the heck? But they were, um, they weren't confident in themselves. And the way that they made themselves feel better was to verbally make someone else feel bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I kind of just shut down emotionally and went. Not about me, but you know, it. My marriage, probably like ten years into it, I remember at my ex travel office, and I said to him, like, if you want this marriage to last, you're gonna have to stop traveling six days a week. And he never even looked for a job. So like two months went by, I'm like, you know, do you mind me asking why you never even put a resume together? Does I can't answer that for you. And I'm like, I'm done. And then it became a transactional relationship for me. I worked with the finance director. And I thought, I see the guy one day a week. I can stay and have like you know, um, 
So my relationship wasn't the best, but in hindsight, I see a lot of things that in my case would have made it better in the beginning. And it, it all comes down, I hate that word communication. All comes down to having a hard conversation before you get married. Yeah, I hear, I've talked to lots of women that said their dad, if their dad was emotionally shut down, not expressing yeah. love and affection, not perhaps the man not knowing how to react around uh, his his little princess as she becomes 13 and 16 years old and is blossoming into womanhood. And then they, again, look for that or expect all men. If if a man yeah. doesn't show me affection, that means he loves me because that's what my dad yeah. did. Yeah. yeah, and that's and we judge people or, you know, we say to people, well, I don't know. We, we kind of are really hard on people about their childhood. But the reality is that from childhood, we all did what we had to do to stay safe, whether it was emotionally, physically, or both. And so they're coping mechanisms. They're not character flaws. They're just coping mechanisms that usually work in childhood that don't work so well the rest of your life. You know, I used to do a lot of talks for um, like addiction and codependency. And I, it's CODA, which is codependent. I'd say, I'm going to tell you right off, I totally do not buy into these real character defects. Like, you know, because if you do walk out of childhood with same mom and daddy issues, like, you judge yourself bad enough. <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, but re relationships, and we were saying, my comment on saying that about women do, like, you guys can't win, is because when I did work with women with trauma, you know, even though they were open, they were working at the partners, I believe, as men who were to keep them safe. Like your dad should have, <laughs> you know? And I think everything goes back to safety and trust. Mm. It really does. Is, is it possible to be an adult these days and not have experienced some level of trauma as a child? I don't think so. I don't think so, because you know what? My as a trauma expert, like I call myself a trauma queen, right? Like and and at a very early age I was just well sorry, but I found out now I did you near know, death experience it too, and I'm sure that's where it came from because I was able to look at people and go, you know, when I was four or five going, Oh, I really hurt. I want I know it's not about me. It was just an experience. Why are they hurting? They really need to be loved even more. But it, you can do that and come from the healthy place. So it's a very, the key with childhood, I think, is not getting people change beliefs, but go back and change the perception of the experience that created the belief. In my opinion, beliefs are too hard to change. I mean, so you would judge yourself like crazy trying to, you know, and some of them are actually true. Like, what were your beliefs from growing up? Do you remember? And do you want to share? You know, like no, one of, one of my strongest beliefs growing up was that life sucks, then you die. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I didn't. Yeah, my my issues. I well, I didn't talk to anybody, but I was I uh, at age five. I began getting molested by a male neighbor. So I also learned at a young age can't trust can't trust men. Even even as a male, I couldn't trust men. I know, and that's and I kind of learned, and it's funny because I had to readdress it, even though, you know, it in my childhood I was pretty. I checked out of it. I mean, up until about four or five years ago, I don't remember. There was really not much I remembered. 
my gut would tell me little things. And I just said, nah, don't need to know that, <laughs> you know. And But out in the world, I was totally different, which was really confusing. Open my heart up, totally vulnerable, totally authentic. But I always saw in my life how my life out in the world was so much different than my life at home. It just felt different. And the key was authenticity. And I felt safe with myself. Because when I was out in the world and I was totally vulnerable, took the armor off, I could see myself. And so I could trust myself and feel safe with me. At home, when I like kind of dimmed my light, I, I hid the part of me that out in the world I could trust, you know? Um, but when I was little too, like my sexual abuse started around two. Um, and I think right before it started, I was in a car accident and undiagnosed traumatic brain injury. It was like 1963, you know? And, but right after that, when I remember the first time my dad kissed me, it was during a diaper change. And this is how crazy it is, during like a baby diaper change. And I remember him going down and kissing me. It wasn't a ton of kiss. You know, it was a child. And I went in my writings to myself, which is how I uncovered everything, I went like, my little girl was saying, you just ruined everything. What did you do? You just ruined everything. And, but somehow from that point though, I wasn't angry. I really was never angry at anyone who abused me. I was angry at me for hiding me and, and abandoning myself. And, you know, and so whenever women would say to me, talk about like people abandon them, I'm like, Maybe we should look in the mirror, make sure we see ourselves first, because what I found from me it was abandonment, betrayal, any issue I had, it came from the army. And and pretty much to myself, you're not worthy of being seen. I mean, that's what we do when we hide ourselves, right? And I think I strayed from the question. <laughs> but it is all about it's about safety and learning how to feel safe with yourself. Yeah. I'm sorry, one of the things though that might really help people, I still do it every day throughout the day, is I remember as a little kid putting my hand on my heart and I did something called rubber band breathing, which I would imagine there was a rubber band inside me and I would breathe in from my feet, breathe up to my head, holding my belly in, and then I would send the breath all the way down to my feet and I would just do that. Um, I've since learned it's like a Reiki master thing. But as I was breathing that way, I'd put my hand on my heart and close my eyes and just go, I'm safe, the world in second place. I'm safe, the world alone in second place. I did that any time. Um, you know, I told five women about sexual abuse and they didn't do anything. I would go, I'm safe. And those people in try that really, because it just reminds you that. You save for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's really is, is up to us to decide. We decide if we're safe or not. Yeah. And yeah. look, the reality is, you know, I mean, I was sexually abused. I was like emotionally neglected, verbal, all that stuff, you know, and, and my experiences weren't much different than other people. What was different. And I'm pretty sure it's as a result of that near death experience. I walked away being able to go, hmm, that's just an experience. It means nothing about who I am. And and at a very early age, being to go, oh, wow. I wonder why what I'm saying is making them so uncomfortable that they can't address what I'm saying. 
you know. What's your experience with women saying they want men to be sensitive and then their man and gets that, sensitive? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had that, you know, um, women, yeah, they want their men to be emotionally available, but then if a man appears quote unquote weak, they're like, what's the matter with him? I don't want someone like that. Well, make up your mind. What do you want? Right. And I think again, it all goes down to childhood because somehow a man's, you know, if his father was never emotionally available, there's a, then they're going to expect if a partner is that there's something wrong with that. And I think the whole issue with childhood is just for those of us who experience some kind of trauma. I don't know about you, but you know, that's all you know is normal. Like, you know, people didn't come over to my house. There was only one girlfriend I went over to her house. Like, you kind of stay within your own bubble. And when you're in that bubble, you know nothing else but what's in that bubble. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And so it's it's getting, and here's another thing. If a woman can't be emotionally with herself, that makes someone else, whether it be a man or anyone else, that makes them really uncomfortable. Because again, it's facing her like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's almost like asking for something that you're not healed enough yet to fully receive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that mirror thing, right? Like everyone, if something really pisses me off about someone else, well, I better take a good look because that's what I don't like about myself. Right. You know, and and the same I think guys have just gotten really it's really hard for you all because we may treat each other the same, but society gives women permission to talk about it. Where thanks to you and people like Henry, right? Like you guys are having it out there. And I think once men are within themselves through what society says we, you guys get together then it's time to get women and men together and you know what i would love to see is like in group just a man getting from a woman he doesn't know what he needs and and a woman from a male for example if a woman needs to feel safe from a man and she never talks to her father have a man give her a hug with nothing just a, a hug. You know, that, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing coming from it but just a hug where someone can be held in a space where there's nothing expected of them. So then is is the solution that a man or woman should not be seeking a partner unless they know that they that they both parties have done the inner work. Yeah, but that's not reality, right? Well, like, right. I mean, so, hey, what, yeah, so what do you, what so do we the do? Solutions, the solution is before we get, enter into long relationships, somebody's got to be vulnerable to have to start the conversation of questions like, so in a relationship, like, what do you need to, to feel loved, to know that I love you? What is it you need? There's no wrong or right answer. But then, you know, I would say, like, now if I had to do it again, I would do, like, almost a contract, like a prenuptial, not with the money, but a prenup, right? But as soon as that word is even, people are like, oh, you don't love me. Oh, come on, the reality, right? Like, if you're, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, to, to detach 
any emotion from the questions that need to be asked. Realizing that, um, you know, if you are with a man or a woman, they want you to sign prenuptial. Prenuptial is just protecting your assets. It doesn't, that's a wise move, you know. Um, I, I think, though, the question you ask is to start asking the question. Have a list of questions, you know. Because if you're asking someone honestly and they can't answer honestly and get offended, you don't want to be with them, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like if, if you don't have some self-awareness to begin with, you're, you you shouldn't be <laughs> attempting to, to get involved with people. I know. With that, yeah. It, <laughs> and, and have it be a happy ending. Yeah. It's just yeah. assuming, you know, women assuming that men know what they need. You, you know, assuming never is a good thing on any. But a woman, you know, and if, let's say, let's say a guy does get emotionally sensitive, available, and she gets upset, well, then instead of assuming things, the guy has to say, why don't you question, like, what bothered? What was it? What did it make you feel that, you know, because otherwise, he's just going to walk away and he's going to guess what's in her head and heart and tell him. You know, one of the things guys do and both girls I learned relationships that I would never do now is start any sentence with you. <laughs> you know, this made me feel, because no one can argue with your feelings, but you to me just all of a sudden, and I did that all the time, it puts someone on the defense immediately. So, over the years, I've heard many men say that women expect us to be mind readers, mm -hmm. and 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 then that we can't believe what they say. Yes, and it sounds like you're that almost is, like agree with that. Yeah. So, I, do women totally say the same agree. thing about men, or is this kind of a one-sided perspective? I here's the thing: women don't really, unless I probe, which I always ask questions. You know, if they feel safe enough to answer, I've never heard women talk about stuff like that. It's the women that, for example, my kids are in school, right? Like in Southfield, that kind of thing. It was bitching and complaining about ever, not just men, but it was the it wasn't really getting to the root of the problem. And I think it was because so it's so hard for women to fare. I think that's a key thing. If women of a certain, you know, if they can't share amongst themselves. You know, then that's kind of the work I want to be doing too, is to get women in touch with themselves. And because we do, it's not fair to anyone else. Like, I don't know about you, but I can deal with anything, but I need to know what I'm dealing with. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've always said to my kids, just tell me the truth, because I can deal with whatever it is you tell me. But if I have to guess what's going on in your head, we're doing yeah, it's, it's it's one thing to be <laughs> resilient but it's harder yeah. to be resilient with unknown everything coming at you yeah. what am i what am well, i so reacting with? if women are just kind of like ranting and they're not even being rational nine out of ten times just give them a hug no words and i think that's where and it's no fault of men it was with society a lot of times when a woman which is a complaint she doesn't really want to fix the problem. She just wants to hold a space and say, 
it's okay. Yeah. We'll figure yeah. it out. We'll yeah, figure that's, it out. That's right? definitely changing her from many times. She doesn't want, she feels alone. Like, I don't yell much anymore with my kids. Like, I never, but there were times when I would lose it. My son would say to me, it's like, you just like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking. I said, you know what? Give me a hug. But then those moments when I'm irrational, it's not your mom you're dealing with. It's something that five-year-old is still dealing with. And I'm feeling scared and I'm feeling alone. Just hug me. Nowhere it's necessary. So I had men friends try it. And they were like, I know, she'll hit me if I go to hug her. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, don't say any words. Just hold her. Right. And Yeah, often, yeah, yeah, men men think, anyone speaks to them to get them to take an action to fix something. And they're like, oh, you're just sharing to get it out of you. You just want to be heard. And when, 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 again, when I was, uh, you know, depressed and suicidal, I thought if anyone knew my real thoughts and feelings, they would run away. I would be alone. So I think that's kind of what it is for everyone. And check this out. So this is, so my whole life outside in the world, like I always was vulnerable and I didn't complain about things, but I just, I was not afraid to share my inner darkest secrets if it was relevant in the conversation so the past like four or five four years probably i uncovered all the the issues with the traumatic brain injury and all this stuff because using a computer for the first time they all like i had figured out ways to work with my brain on a pen and paper world but the computer is hard to avoid so i talked to women about this and i would be vulnerable and you would immediately shut down and not say a damn word. So for four years, I'm like, oh, this is even worse. Tell me I'm an idiot. Tell me whatever. But that not acknowledging. And because, and I knew it made them uncomfortable because what are they going to do? They don't know how to help me, right? And so that's, I never, before the last few years, I never saw a downside to vulnerability. And you know, but you would think as women we'd be nurturers. But that ain't the case. <laughs> are, are there any tips you can share to to improve? So we we've seen like we need to communicate better. Need to everyone to be willing to be more vulnerable, to be heard, to be to feel safe. Yeah. And you know, how Ask, how does how does someone start that with with a potential partner? Like, do you really just go, "Hi, nice to meet you. Here's my deepest darkest secret," <laughs> or can I tell you these you horrible know, things? I. I would, you know, maybe not on first date, but, you know, second, third, whatever, like whenever things start getting, you know, emotionally intimate, I would just ask, like, you know, what are your previous relationships? Like, why did they end? If you ended them, what was it? Like, just ask. Like, we don't have any to ask. And to be honest with you, I've asked really bizarre questions to people that would most people would say would cross boundaries, but most people have always answered them. <laughs> Given that it's coming from a loving place, not like you're trying to get something or achieve from something. So yeah, I would just ask, what do you like in a relationship? What would be your perfect relationship? Ask a woman, what would be, what's your perfect guy? What do you can't stand in guy? Like, I think if a man ever asked me that on, um, you know, even the first, I'd be like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. You know, because that just tells me as a woman that, like, this is going to be very cool to communicate. And if a woman shies away from that and shuts down and won't answer, walk around. <laughs> it ain't going to get better, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it, too. Like, yeah. Without the... addressing it, 
you know um yeah the, the the quicker we're willing to have the hard conversations the the less the, the less time we waste well yes. let's find out now as opposed to years from now that we're you know trying to fill each other's unmet needs and the needs that we don't even realize are unmet and can't even name and we're just these traumatic beings bumping into different walls all the time i know and we know what happens a lot too we hear from women like i learn now in my life just from listening to other women's stories, like if a relationship starts off, it's like you're everything about somebody's life and, you know, for those parts, run or walk away slowly and look at the objective. Because when it starts that heated, there's usually something on both parties deeper. Yeah. That... We always say that, that when you don't need a relationship, that's when you're ready for one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And... Yeah. You know, well, what about for, so I'd say for men, actionable things, ask questions, set a time, like in a relationship, if you live with someone, set a time once a week or at the end of each day, 15 minutes, kind of like have a hard talk, like Vegas. She gets to say something, she gets 10 minutes, you can't interrupt, and what she says doesn't leave that conversation, like no repercussions. And same thing, you know, just to get comfortable with the uncomfortableness of conversation, of vulnerable conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. One, I'll tell you one that I never understood that goes back to trust is um, I used to date a guy who was in a, a, rock, a band, right? And they were on tour all the time. He, one woman got upset once because she found out a guy, her husband had a woman. And the guy was saying, so what happens all the time, it's like an unwritten law. I said, well, does anyone tell the women, like when they're getting married? Because if a guy says, like, look, I'm going to cheat on the road, it means nothing, it's just part of the thing, leave it up to her to go, can I deal with this or can I not? But the worst thing is not knowing. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Another thing is look at your partner as a five-year-old. In those moments when you go, that's how I look at most people, including myself sometimes as five. You know, if my behavior is like a little, oh, okay, what's the five-year-old me? Yeah. Um, right. It, it really is and, that inner child dysfunction showing up. And if you can own that yeah. in the moment, recognize it and not take it personally, not thinking sure it's your, your partner today, it really is an old wound showing up. Yeah. One of the things that the women trauma, right, the, Kids seem to be a big issue in that the women didn't think the guys were doing stuff as well as they were. And so, you know, the women say to me, well, I keep telling him he's not doing it right. And, and he doesn't do it at all. And I say, well, let me ask you a question. Someone kept telling you you were screwing up at something. Would you keep doing it? Like, you know, and both have to take ownership. Like either the woman says, if she just says, I can do it better, and but can't give. <laughs> example of how she does it better, then that's just a, you know, some ego thing. But if a woman is telling you this isn't good enough or this isn't how I would do it, say to her, how would you do it? What would be your ideal? And then it's up to you to go, can I do that? I'm not. Like, you know, but it, it's all about just asking because we're too complicated as beings. To try to get them, but 
Yeah, if you feel like you're expected to read someone's mind, like stop trying and just ask. <laughs> yeah, ask for and clarity. that's why I said if you do that in the beginning of a relationship, and it's not the beginning of a relationship, certainly before you get married or live, you know, kids, how do you imagine yourself what kind of parents you want to be? It's, you know, it's really not rocket science. It's, it's asking, but it's, I think a lot of times we don't ask because we're afraid of the answers we're going to get. So I know you weren't a typical RN. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, your sure. work in the trenches, as you say? In the trenches, yeah. So I worked with, for the first half of my career, first 15 years, I worked in a hospital, labor and delivery, and um, with, there were, most of the people had adverse trauma because we, the hospital was in an area that was low income. And then, um, when I left there, I went to work in public health in one of the four zip codes of Philly. So I would go into the home for women. And, um, you know, because of the way I dealt with my own traumas when I was 16, I, I needed to feel connected to something, to somebody. And I was always kind of a philosopher type, which doesn't go for real big in school. You know what I mean? Like, I was like a book. I didn't have a lot of close friends. And in high school, at one point, I tried to change to be like everybody else. And that's kind of where I got seriously depressed and suicidal because when I tried to change, I lost me. I lost connection with who I was. And so when I was 16, I went, all right, life is either going to have to change or I'm going to end it right now because I don't want to feel this way. So I went out in the world and I knew I needed to be accepted for who I was. And I didn't know how to get that. So... I went out and I just started driving around and looking at people and thinking, mm, what do they have in common with me? What are their lives like? What are, whatever. Did that for a couple of months. Did help me feel less alone. But then I would stop. I got curious about people. So I would stop people on the streets and say, hey, by the name, like, by the way, my name's Leslie. I mean, I'm trying to struggle with this. What about you? Like, And and people just took the stories. And I, I boiled it down to, like, I was vulnerable first. You know, and that that became where like that true connection between people. It's a seriously intimate conversation in ten minutes because you felt the heart moment, and the world became my home, strangers and family. So I learned to look at people as I looked in their eyes, and the rest of you, I couldn't remember what you looked like because I was looking at you deeper than your surface. So when I went out to work in these areas, I think that proved to be a real benefit because I didn't walk in with some white woman who knew more than they did. I walked in as another woman who could learn something from them and they could learn from me. And together, we can hopefully, I did high-risk OB. And, you know, we could get them a good outcome. When I left work, um, there was a college in Philadelphia had been studying my patients and they said, what did you do? You need to teach nurses because your patients have better life options. And I'm like, I had no clue. I had no clue what I was doing because it was so simple. I was just being authentic. But that authenticity created a space for other people to see themselves. And once you can see yourself clearly, you can shift perception of anything you know. So, Rev. Leslie, uh, what's the best way for people to learn more and connect with you? Um, they, you know, I tell people the best way because they don't have a website or anything yet. Um, 
they can reach out at calendry.com slash Reverend Leslie, R-E-V-L-E-S-L-I-E, the number four part. And then they can set up a time to talk. Or Ellen not opposed to text me at 610-506-8298. Just tell me where you're texting from. You know, people are like, you can't do that. And I'm like, no, I do because I trust my intuition, you know? And uh, I let my inner knowing decide when I'm safe and when I'm not. Yeah, thank yeah, you, yeah. Good. And yeah, uh, yeah Revelation, thanks for thanks for reaching out to me to begin with. Thanks for coming yeah, and, and sharing you. your perspective. And thanks everyone for tuning in and listening to us. Uh, please visit realmenfeel.org. See the blog post for this episode. We'll have uh, links to all the resources mentioned. Wherever you're discovering Real Men Feel, please subscribe, follow, like, do the thing you can do on the platform that you're on. And if you want to explore what life could really be like for you and figure out what you really want and what's in your way, uh, book a clarity call with me. Visit theandygrant.com slash talk. And until next time, be good to yourself.